Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Amen. If your Bibles are already open, or if not, open them to the book of Hebrews chapter 12 and James chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 12, James chapter 5, in a Bible study that I've entitled, Caring Enough to Pursue the Wanderers. And for some of you, you know, this is not the first time I've shared this message. It is a familiar reminder to us to care about those that have wandered and strayed away from the faith. And as we begin the new year, we're not going to go into a series of Bible studies as we have in the past. Uh, We did that one study a couple weeks ago that if you weren't here for it, I want to encourage you, please, please, please do two things. The first thing is check around your house for a rock and get a rock before you listen to it. Get one that fits about the palm of your hand. Because if you were with us a couple weeks ago, we were learning about the Ebenezer Stones of God. As we look back on a difficult year, we look back on challenges that we faced. We looked to God's word and we were encouraged that God has brought us thus far. He has helped us thus far. And really our perspective, as we look back on this previous year, our perspective is going to mean everything. I mean, we can look back and just see difficulty after difficulty after difficulty and be really bummed out about it. Or we can look back and see through the difficulties, God was faithful. And that's the word this year, faithful. God is faithful. He is filled with faith, and He is faithful and reliable, and to be trusted. And we're going to remember His faithfulness. So what we did is we took those rocks, and we lifted them up to the Lord. We lifted our Ebenezer stone, as the old hymn instructs us to, and we remembered God's faithfulness. So if you weren't with us, you need to do that, because it'll be a great reminder as we enter into the new year. Because the new year is just a change in number. It's just a calendar flip. But the warfare and the difficulties, hey, they're still with us. And things are going to get more challenging. And I would expect that there'll be more pressure and more challenges upon the church, upon us as a fellowship family. There'll be more challenges for us to rise above the difficulties and be faithful. But one thing I've noticed in this last year is that this last year has caused a lot of believers to wander and to stray away. It started with, of course, closing down. I mean, who would have ever thought that we would not, we would have a time, other than a snow day, uh, that we would actually close the church down and go completely online. But that was the decision we made. We weren't sure what was happening. We wanted to be safe. And so for those few weeks, we went completely online. Uh, However, what you may not know is that even though we went completely online, we never turned anyone away. So that that little side door was always open because that's how people came in for that were serving and the worship team and teaching. And every week, because remember what we decided to do? We decided to do every service live. So we would have live worship, 
and I would teach, and then every service, because I, my thought was, so many things are outside of our control, let's, let's do the things that are under our control. So every time you tuned in, there'd be a live service, the Holy Spirit would speak to whatever service was there, and then if anyone showed up at the door, we said, oh, just come on in and sit down, and you can worship with us. And we had a few people, I still have a picture uh, uh, of the sister, I think she was in her 80s, back there by herself by the door, with her hands lifted up during worship, because she was just wandering around looking for a church that was open, saw an open door, and walked right in and there is no way we're going to turn her away say come on in and worship and so how would we have known remember when we started we started online and we're like okay church we can make it till easter we can make it we can do this together and what happened easter came and went and then so did another 10 months and counting do you know churches are still closed right now they're still closed to gather together uh, all around the country even around the world. And it's taken its toll on believers. It's taken its toll on the church. And because of that, many have wandered away. We've seen a lot of that even here. You know, and there's different categories there. First of all, there are people that are upset with us that we are holding, we are having any kind of restrictions. And so they're upset with us. They go, I don't want to do this. I'm not going to cover my face. I don't want to be. And, I, and they go find another church that they can fit in and they're not taking the kind of precautions that we are. And it's like, okay, if that's, there's nothing we can really do about that. We've made our decision and we're going to stick by it. There are other people that are in a place of sickness and uh, they're in a place of sickness and they're, they're unable to be here, but not being able to be here was like an anchor and a tether in their faith. And so now that they're not here, um, they've wandered away. I don't know about you, but watching online is great. It's just not the same. Did you know that? It's not the same. It's so distracting. Like, there you are, you're watching online, and then your tummy starts to growl, and you go, you know what? I can still hear it. I'll walk over and look for some cookies and milk. And then there's no cookies. And you're like, well, maybe we have some downstairs. And we go down. Now you can't hear anymore. You go down. Oh, no, I have no cookies in the basement. I think I'll go to King Super. You know, you're just like, ah. Well, maybe that's just my experience. I don't know. <laughs> but you could be watching online. You could get a text and you go, oh, I better answer them. And you go through and I wonder what's going on Instagram. And you go through and then there's a picture of food and then you're hungry again. It's always about hunger. <laughs> but Jesus said, you're blessed if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, are you not? There's a blessing attached to it. But you know, it's different. Uh, it, it is a great supplement and I'm glad that you're joining us online. But if you can be here, like it's not, online is just not the same. And we'll keep, we've been doing online since technology was invented. But because of on, being online, the kids weren't connected and then they are wandering around. And before you know it, it's just, God created the church. This is his doing. This, this was not an invention of man. God created us for each other to connect. And wandering and straying has happened a lot in our church and in many churches. And as a pastor, my heart aches for the wanderers. I'm not interested in guilting them or, you know, making them feel bad. I'm interested in encouraging them in the Lord so that they can go farther with their walk with Him. I know it's been a hard year. It's been hard for all of us. And the temptations that's come upon us have been challenging. Like those in the book of Hebrews, like the Hebrew believers, they had their own challenges, their own issues. So by the time we get to Hebrews 12, which is where we are in our verse-by-verse -verse study, notice Hebrews 12, we'll pick up where we left off 
Notice in verse 12 of chapter 12, it says, Therefore, strengthen the hands that hang down. And there's just a lot of hands hanging down right now in the church of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of tired, weary people. There's a lot of people, and and not just tired and weary, but a lot of people that are upset. There's so much division. There's so much anger and angst among believers right now. Almost so much so that it's just like many in the church have lost their way. They've forgotten why they're saved. They've forgotten the gospel of Jesus Christ. They have forgotten why you're on the earth. Why God has created you. What your destiny is. Because of some hardships. And you know, that's what trials do. They refine us. And they test us. And you're right. Listen, you're right when you think that we don't always pass the test. You're right. We don't always pass the test. We don't always make it through in the moment. We do stumble and we do fall. Even to the point where there are seasons when we just look at ourselves and you go, what happened to your faith? You're looking in the mirror and you're like, what happened? You were so filled with faith. Well, why do you doubt? Well, why? Like the psalmist says, you know, why are you so downcast? There's been more than one occasion. I look myself in the mirror and go, what's wrong with you, Ed? What's wrong with you? Of course, I know what's wrong with me. I know the trials I face. I know how I've responded to them. But I encourage, though, because the, even though I don't pass all the tests, the Lord is faithful. And though a man falls seven times, he'll rise again. That even when we are faithless, God remains faithful. So that even if you look at your life right now and you haven't passed the test, okay, repent and get back in the race. I know there's a lot of weak hands right now. Notice he says, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. You know, feeble knees and hanging down hands, they they have this description of a walk that's been interrupted. I mean, because very many people, you know, walk like this. Uh, Very few people walk like this. Unless there's some kind of medical condition, most of us have pretty much an upright walk and our hands are at our sides. We're not all beat up and beat down. But for those of you that are beat up and beat down, for those of us that are in a stronger place, we're to be looking for you to help you. That's what we learned. We've already gone through this section. This is all review. And you go back a couple weeks and listen in, in the book of Hebrews on our app or the website. We've already looked at this. Of course, there's always going to be people weak, feeble need among us. But those of us that are strong, those of us that are spiritual, we're to look for those that are weak and help them. That is the body of Christ. And we're going to learn today of another instruction from James to look for those that have strayed away. He says in verse 13, make straight paths for your feet so that what's lame may not be dislocated, but rather healed. There's healing available to you today from the Lord. God wants to heal the weaknesses and the the hurts and the pains and the trials and the difficulties, what they've done to you. He wants to heal your marriage. He wants to heal your kids. He wants to bring the prodigals home. That is the heart of God. And the enemy's just throwing and throwing. Don't believe. Lose hope. It'll never happen. And to that, we have to rise up. Even as we're singing and say, no. We're going to battle on our knees with our hands lifted high. And we just sang that, didn't we? It just came out of our mouths. Or you heard the person next to you, that joyful noise that we're going to battle. 
because the Lord is coming back. He's going to return. And we want to bring as many people to heaven as possible. You with me, church? So notice now James chapter 5, this brief exhortation. Notice Hebrews is, uh, James is right after Hebrews, James chapter 5, verse 19. A familiar passage, but it's good to be reminded. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Brethren. So we know the audience. James is talking to you and me. Brothers and sisters. Reminded that we're part of a family here. This isn't a social club. We're not gathered together just for the sake of it, for some little holy huddle as Christians so we can all warm up and then, and then go out into the world to live like the devil. This is the church of Jesus Christ. It is holy and set apart for his purposes. And you and I, by faith, born again, believers in Jesus, are brothers and sisters in the Lord. So he says, brothers and sisters, as you consider your family, as you consider your family, what does he say? He says, if anyone, so as you look around the room today, as you consider the body of Christ, you got to understand, any one of us can stray away at any time. And that's, I believe, is a word from the Lord to someone. You need to realize and recognize right now, again, afresh and anew, yes, even you can stray away. Even I, anyone listening to me can stray away. And if anyone wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know. The person that turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death. There's a seriousness about sin, church. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. That's a truth. There's nothing you can do to sidestep that. Sin will always bring death. It'll bring death in the physical realm. There's still a consequence in our physical bodies, but it'll be death in so many different ways. Though sin can bring the death of a marriage. It can bring the death of a friendship. It can bring the death of relationships. It can be, bring the death of a career, of a dream. Sin, the wages are always death. So when you save a sinner, you turn them back toward the Lord, and just understand that they are avoiding death, that there's life. There is life. You want to release life in a church? Go after the strays and the wanderings or grasp the heart of Jesus. Agree with him. When he came, remember what he said? He came to seek and to save the lost. That was his heart. He would look at people and see them as weary and scattered. He, he would look at people and see the the, what pain and what sin would do to... There was even episodes where Jesus was recorded as crying over the effects of sin. Weeping convulsively. Seeing and experiencing what sin has done to families. The pain that it causes. The hardship. It just seems like the culture that we live in is doing everything and uh, to, to, to everyone, but including the church just to get our eyes off of the heart of Jesus to seek and save the lost. You know, the Bible made it very clear 
if you summarize the law, you could summarize it this way. Jesus said, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and what? Love your neighbor as yourself. And then, even now, everybody's asking the question, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? And the reality is, is everyone is your neighbor. But here's what happens. Culture loves to divide us so much that if we can label someone other than our neighbor, then something kicks in in our minds thinking, well, if they're not our neighbor, they're this sinner or they're involved in this lifestyle or they're, and I did change my voice on purpose because that's how you get, you get all nasty about it. It's like, man, yeah, they did this and they did that and they didn't get all bitter and upset. If you put people in categories like that, then somehow you relieve yourself in your mind. You kind of take away the responsibility to what? Love them. And it happens. It's happening politically right now. It's happening racially right now. It's happening within the body of Christ. It's ha- like the gospel has been lost in all the noise of this world. And remember, th- this year you're going to hear this a lot because this is what God's telling us as a church. I'm not responsible for every church out here, just responsible for our little field. And what God is giving us for our little field is this. We know that the world is going to be the world, but the church has to be the church. There is no replacing the church in the world today. None. You and I, we, and I don't mean just the church organized. I mean what the Bible says. The Bible speaks of you and me personally being the church. And so one by one by one by one, we walk in the love of God to love our neighbors and to reach out to those that maybe they're in a different category of life. Maybe they're, they're away. I, you know, one of the things going back to California that's always bittersweet for me is that I always get to connect back with, I don't always, but when I do get to connect back with my friends, we end, the friends I grew up with, we end up getting together, sharing a meal together. And one of the things we're just so excited that we're saved, we're born again, we're still alive. Man, the Lord was so gracious to us and merciful to us because we were right on the edge of death for all the stupidity of our lives and all the changes. However, for me, it always turns a corner, and I don't like it, but it has to happen because this is who I am. There's always somebody that's going to share some story of me being an absolute idiot as a sinner. And on the one hand, it reminds me, man, I'm so glad that the Lord saved me, that I'm still alive, that I get to use him. But on the other hand, I just look back and I think, man, I was an idiot. And who wants to remember that they were an idiot and that I was involved in this and I did that. And a lot of times the story that's told, I don't even remember it because I was so out of it. Drugs or alcohol, I don't even remember the situation. I'm like, wow. And there'll be times I look and I'll say, I really did that. I go, oh yeah, you really did that. And what else? And I don't want to hear anymore. I can only handle one at a time. And then I'll quickly change the subject. They probably know this by now. I'll quickly say, oh, but isn't the Lord so good? (laughs) Aren't we saved? Um, I don't go back, well, you were an idiot too. No way. I want to get our eyes back on the Lord. The point I'm making is this. I was in a category once that you could have easily overlooked. You could have said, well, look what he's doing and what he's involved in and what he's doing to culture and what he's doing to society. But I was a neighbor that needed the love of God. And we just can't overlook people because they're involved in things that we don't agree with or we have a different point of view with or they're just ruining their life or ruining our neighborhood or ruining our world or ruining, ruining. Of course, the world is so upside down 
And we, we, don't, we shouldn't be surprised that perilous times have come. And we don't want to label people so that we don't have to love them, even within the church. Because as we're a family, of course, we have everything that has to go with families. You have a family. I have a family. None of us have a perfect family. And neither is the church. The church is not a perfect family. And in the church, James says, there are going to be people that wander away. It always shocks me. I don't know why. I've been serving the Lord for 30 years now. I've been here for 21 years. And I don't know why, but when I hear of another person falling away or another situation, one of my first responses is shock. And I don't know, I, I know it's going to happen, but like, I know strong people that were here aren't walking with the Lord anymore. I know strong people that were teaching here and serving here. I mean, I was thinking of one person in particular, but then another person copped into my mind that are full-blown atheists now. That they've taken a stand that says, oh, there's not even a God. And I'm like, man, we served together. We broke bread together. We had community together. We went on mission trips together. And you don't believe in God anymore? What happened? I've seen people like they're so strong, serving the Lord, leading worship, loving the Lord, hanging, you know, their hands lifted high. And now they're just angry, complaining, gossiping, slanderous people. And I'm like, what happened? And the Bible says, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone turns him back. So as much as there are people that wander, there also needs to be someone that turns him back. Someone that turns him back. Will you be that someone? Will you be that someone? And, and you know, in verse 12, it says, uh, anyone that turns a sinner from the error of his way. You know what? This is such a great life-giving passage. And what do, what do many people do with life, great life-giving passages? They like to argue about them. And the argument in this passage is, well, you know, if somebody wanders in the church and they wander away, uh, is, are, are, they, are they even saved? Can you lose your salvation? And everybody gets hung up on that. I don't want you to get hung up on that. Because, I, you know, I believe in the security of the believer and the insecurity of the make-believer. And I think when you're saved, you're saved. The Lord doesn't work in your life. And nobody can snatch you out of the Father's hands. But who is he referring to here? If you're taking notes, I think there's three things, three types of people that are referred to here among us. Number one, you could say that these sinners are, number one, truly lost sheep. Truly lost sheep. Um, the Bible word, or you know, the word you might use in the church, for those of you that are new to church terminology, we might use the word unbeliever. And what we mean by unbeliever, what that word really means is a person that is not in relationship with God. A person that is not born again. Another church word, although Jesus said that, born again. A person that, that is truly lost. Do truly lost people come to church? Yes or no, church? Of course, I hope so. Uh, and if they don't, one of the reasons why we have a radio station, one of the reasons we went on the radio to begin with, is that even if they won't darken the doors of a church, they flip through the radio all the time. <laughs> and they can do it without telling anybody. I know when I started going to church, I didn't want to tell anybody. I didn't want to ruin my reputation. Like, where were you on Wednesday? Uh, yeah, I went to church. Ah, you're at the church. You're not one of those. Well, I am now. <laughs> That's what happens when you hear the gospel. You become one of those. So truly lost sheep. They come in and out all the time, and then they don't show up anymore. I think that's referred to. Number two, I think there's another group described here, and these are people that I would describe as deceived. 
deceived lost sheep. And you say, Ed, what do you mean by that? Well, these are the folks that look like they know the Lord, but they've strayed away. And they have participated religiously. So they're regular attenders. They might have purchased the Bible. They might have even read it sometimes, maybe said a prayer here and there but never fully or completely or willingly surrendered their life. Again, they were never born again, although they went through the motions. They're actually described for us in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. Uh, if you want to turn there, yeah, you can do that. Uh, so you can see it in your own Bible there. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. They're described this way. <clears throat> it says, Little children, it's the last hour. And as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Now, here's the thing what happens with a verse like that. You're like, well, they were of us and they're not of us. And now we see they're not of us. So let's leave them alone. The Bible says, no, if you know a person like that, James says, go talk to them about the error of their ways. So yeah, there's a, a revelation of their behavior, their lifestyle, but we're not just, oh, they're not of us anymore, but we're to have a heart for them. A heart for them. They could have sat next to you. Their kids could be in Sunday school next to your kids. They could be parked in the parking lot next to you. They could be walking to the bus stop right here to touch the bus with you. And if you don't see them anymore, you don't see them to minister, you want to go after them. And I think the third group of people that's described here is backslidden sheep. Now, of course, this would be a category of believers. Again, that's another debate altogether. Some people don't believe believers can backslide, but I firmly believe believers can backslide. The word backslide is a Bible word. Uh, it was given to us as God's writing to the nation of Israel. And for sure, believers, followers of God backslide. How could you not look at someone like Abraham? Remember Abraham, the father of faith, also had many failures in his life, even in his marriage. And he wandered and strayed, but finished strong. Moses served the Lord for sure, rose to the occasion, but he also murdered someone. And Moses had a big anger problem. He had a real resonant issue with anger in his life, so much so that he missed out on enjoying the physical promised land with the nation because of his anger. I think of David. David chose an adulterous relationship. He chose to try to cover it up with murder and a whole host of weaknesses in his life. But David was a believer battling the flesh. Even using those examples, some would say, well, wait a minute, those are all Old Covenant. Those are all Old Testament. Yeah, you're right. I think of Peter. I mean, I would say straying away from God would be denying him three times, wouldn't you? That doesn't sound like strong faith. That doesn't sound like a believer moving forward in the things of God. But even Peter... He didn't lose his salvation. He lost his proximity. He lost his joy. He, he lost his confidence, but he didn't lose his salvation. Because when Jesus came back to him, he didn't convey new salvation to him. He just said, hey man, go back and do what you've been called to do. Love them, serve them, tend them. And so we all stumble and fall. We all sometimes fall flat on our face. But the Lord picks us up, strengthens us, 
and helps us along the way. So turning a sinner can be a brother, can be an unbeliever, doesn't matter. Just go out. I think, I think if James was here today and he goes, oh, you guys arguing about this and you want to know the answer? You want to know the answer? Yes, James, tell us the answer. Here's what I think James would say. He'd say something like this. Hey, just stop sitting around trying to figure it out and go out and look for someone that's straight away. Go minister to them. Go help them. You know, I think in, in a, the context of our church, you know, as the church has grown over the years, one of the concerns that always comes up uh, as the church has grown and it comes up in different seasons is, you know, Ed, we, we're, we're here and we're part of a, a larger church, but, you know, nobody knows. Nobody would even know if we came back. You know, nobody would know if we strayed away. Nobody would know. And, you know, you kind of blame that like on the church, like it would be the church's fault. But I want you to consider another point of view of that. Like, if you weren't to come back and you were to leave for a few weeks, a few months, and nobody would know, don't you bear some of that responsibility? Don't you bear that? Like, nobody knows you? You've been coming to this church how long and nobody knows you? Like, like, let let me just change your perspective a little bit. You want to be known here? You can be known. Like, like if you change your mind today and you say, you know what? I'm going to just start a prayer list. And I'm going to start praying for the people that I sit next to. I'm going to ask them their name. I'm going to ask them an email or a phone number. And I'm going to commit to pray for them two or three times a week. And then I'm going to text them and let them know. I'm going to check in on them by email. (coughs) Maybe I'll invite them to have a, a piece of pie. I'll grab a coffee with them. Like if you change your perspective and you start thinking of others and you start reaching out and you start asking, you go, Ed, well, I've tried that. And the last time somebody just told me, I'll never let me pray for them. Okay, they probably had a bad day. That's possible. Go to the next person. Go to the next person. Go to the next person. I'm telling you, if you want to be known here, you can be known as a prayer warrior. You can be known as a helper. You can be known as a lover of Jesus Christ. You can be known. You can be known, you know, this church in particular, this fellowship family, there, there have been, we have had services where there have been as little as four people in a service. Did you know that? Four people, not including my family, so probably a little bit more, but four people came to a service on a snow night once, way back in the shack over there on Buckley. Four people. You know, you can be lost in a church of four people. You can be lost in a church of 4,000 people. You can be lost and kind of feel like nobody knows you if that's what you want. But if you want to be known, I promise you today, before you leave, you can find someone to pray for. You can get their name. You can exchange numbers or email. And you can connect with someone and start. And you can come to a small group. We got a whole page full of stuff. If you're a man, come to the men's ministry. Married couples, they're meeting now. You have issues in your mind with post-traumatic stress? Come on out. You want to come to the new women's Bible study? Come on out. But here's what happens. What happens is it's easy to kind of turn inward, and then all of a sudden we're not thinking of others more highly than ourselves. And even to the place where, you know, as I look and the church has grown over the years, and, you know, that there used to be a time, you know, where I knew everybody here. There used to be a time. There used to be a time when I took all of the, the, thing, the new believer things and the people new to the church, they'd fill it out. I was the one making the phone calls. I was the one writing the notes. But there came a point in time where I couldn't do it all anymore. You know, my focus had to be on prayer and the study of God's word and pastoral ministry, and I just couldn't do it all anymore. And then the, the church continued to grow, and I didn't know everyone anymore. And, and I still don't. And then, and then I developed, you know, new habits, right? So I started memorizing people's faces. 
And I would remember faces and where you sat. And then COVID jacked that all up with your face coverings. And now you're all sitting in different places. And I don't know what to do anymore. And it's hard. For me, in my heart, it's hard. However, here's, how, here's what the Lord has given me. I don't trust my ability to remember your name, your kids' names, your faces even. I trust in God's ability to shepherd and take care of you because he never fails. He knows you. He knows where you're sitting. He knows what you look like behind your face covering. He knows whether you're here or not here. And as you integrate with other people, you start to build those relationships. Because, you know, you can't be friends with every single person that you ever meet. You're not going to have that kind of relationship. You're going to have different tiers. Of, and that's how it is in a church. And, and those that study such things tell us that the typical person in a lifetime, the typical person has between three to seven real friends their entire life. And with Facebook and everything, you think, well, no, Ed, I got millions of friends. Not really, not really, not really at all. You want to develop friendships in the body of Christ so that when your friend is not here, you know it and you check in on it. And I think the Lord's just stirring us in this time of COVID, like this time of restrictions. If there was someone that used to sit next to you, someone you haven't seen in a while, you should reach out to them. And if you know them close enough, go to their doorstep. And if you have their phone number, call them. Send them a text. If you need to, search them out and DM them through Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, whatever you're using. And be the church. And you don't need to, don't, please don't throw a guilt trip on them and don't, don't like, where have you been? You need to, but, but enter into their life merciful and careful. Maybe they have some pain and things that happen to them you don't know anything about and you're just checking. You're not, you're not saying come back to church. You're just checking in on their spiritual life. I haven't seen you in a while. You're doing okay. How can I pray for you? How can we be connected? How, how, just remember that, that you are loved and you're cared for. Why? Because James says anyone, that's all of us, that we develop a habit of ministering to one another. And no, you are not going to be able to minister to everyone. And you may find out, you may find out, you reach out to them, man, I haven't seen you in a while. Oh, you know what? We're, we're going to Saturday night service now. Oh, that's why I don't see you. Well, how's your life going? And what's going on? Let's go get some pie. Sure, let's get some rhubarb pie. No, thanks. I said good pie, not bad pie. And you just start to rekindle the friendship and rekindle the relationship. And, and the body of Christ begins to serve one another. And getting involved in the smaller groups. And as we launch small groups again and we start, like, look, there's enough for you. It's not just the pastor's responsibility to care for the flock. It's your responsibility too. You know that. And we're not even a real heavy staff church. You know, we don't have a big staff. Because we believe in the priesthood of all believers. We believe in God empowering you to do the work of the ministry. We believe in you obeying this scripture. We believe in you that when you're missed, that someone has missed you. And that you will... Even if you're like that right now, because I'm sure I'll get an email on this. So, well, you know what? Um, I was missed and nobody reached out to me. My answer to that is I'm sorry no one reached out to you. But here's how you can get over it. This is how you're going to be able to get through it. You start integrating and caring about people. And you'll be caring about people more, other people more than you care about yourself. And perhaps God just lets you be out on that island for a while. So you can learn to be with just you and him alone. Because nothing's wasted by him. 
And the body of Christ, when it operates as Jesus desires, is a beautiful thing, even with all our faults and failures, church. And so with the weak knees and the hanging down arms, God is calling us to reach out. And I want to end our message with five things you can do uh, to help others, because that really is the question. So then what am I supposed to do? You know, how can I reach those that have wandered away? What, what are some practical things? Let me give you five. Number one, one, number one, when you are thinking about those that might have wandered away or strayed away, number one, pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them because as we pray for those that are struggling and straying, we're praying that God would minister to them wherever they are and wherever they went. Ask God to speak to them. Order things in such a way that they would desire to return. Even as I met a brother after first service, he goes, you know what, Ed? I was one of those backsliders and I'm back. And I'm like, welcome home. I'm glad you're back. And he didn't have to tell me about the whole story of his backsliding because today is a new day for him to follow the Lord. So pray for the backsliders to come back. Pray for the prodigals to come home because the day that they do is the day that the Lord begins to work afresh and anew in their lives. And God answers that prayer. So pray for them. I know for me, I have a list of prayer. I have a list of people in particular by name that I've just been praying for that they may not believe they're straying away, but the things they're doing, the things they're saying, I'm just praying for them by name. I'm just knowing that the Lord is going to answer. And I trust God with them. And then I can just leave it with him and trust God with them. Number two, as you're looking and maybe looking to minister to the straying and the wandering, number two, watch yourself. Watch yourself. Why? Well, I don't want you to look down on anyone else because they've been trapped by the enemy or they've made a few bad decisions. You know, I don't want you to respond when you hear what they did and go, oh, I can't believe you did that. You were such a strong believer. No, 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 no. Just watch yourself and make sure, like the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. So don't forget yourself because anyone can fall away. Let your heart be one to restore and receive. Restore and receive. When others fall around us, it should send us to our knees. It should make us sad to see what the enemy has done to a life. The Bible says in Proverbs 16 verse 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. We don't want that in our lives. Number three, number three, confront the erring person. Confront the erring person. Now remember, confrontation is not always a fight. Actually, very rarely is it a fight. Confrontation simply speaks of being there face to face, like being there in their life. And what the confrontation really is, is bringing the truth into a situation where a person's been wandering away. And you need to talk to them, basically. Reach out to them. Remember, it's not just picking a fight or any, never pick a fight. It's in order to turn a sinner from the error of his ways, you need to be involved in a sinner's life. <laughs> that makes sense, right? You got to be in proximity. Proximity is everything. Availability is everything. You might be all worried about your ability, but God's just saying, be available and I'll use you uh, beyond what you can even think. So be in their lives, reach out, send a note. And even as you're praying for them, who knows what God might open up? Number four, this is important because again, it's dealing with our heart. Forgive the repentant. Forgive the repentant. So vital. Don't miss this. Forgive, forgive, forgive. And it's too bad, is it not, that our church 
our church perhaps, or, or the church, you know, just the large, our reputation as the church is we have a tendency to shoot our wounded and to kick them when they're down and to be utterly shocked when someone falls into sin. And, you know, we use that phrase, falls into sin, choose sin, whatever. It doesn't, just when sin destroys a life. And with the way of media, social media and everything, we get to hear about all kinds of churches now. It's not just the headlines of a local newspaper. It, things get splattered all throughout. Our own little Calvary Chapel families experience that. Other pastors experience that. And, you know, our heart should not be, I told you so. Our heart should be, man, another life destroyed. God, rescue that marriage. Rescue that man. Rescue that wife. Like it, our hearts should be broken. And we, we, we're not going to stand in like judgment over them. And if they hurt us personally, we're going to forgive them. We're going to forgive. We're going to say, you know, the debt that you owe me, because of the sin, I forgive it. And we're going to walk in and live in forgiveness. And that's the bedrock. That's what, what makes up restoration, forgiveness. It doesn't mean you're not, you know, you're necessarily going to forget. I've done studies on this before. It's not like you're going to forget. It's not like you're not going to have a wound but we're not going to hold it against you. It's not going to be held against you. We don't shoot our wounded. and We don't kick them while they're down. We accept them in Jesus Christ and help them rebuild what the enemy has tried to destroy. Hey, are consequences there? Yes. And that can be painful and hard. I, I, as a pastor, so many times I want to remove consequences, but I can't do more than God is going to do. And so I just got to come alongside and encourage and strengthen and, and restore and rebuild and see God do a work. Watching myself, because I can follow in the same foolish decisions myself. And then number five, of course it's not an exhaustive list, but number five, in helping others that have wandered away, we need to speak words of kindness and love to them. They need to hear about the love of God God's love for them in particular. It's so key because the enemy is, does such a complete and thorough job of accusing the brethren. Have you ever been on the other end of the accusations of the brethren? Does your mind ever play tricks on you and cause you to doubt your salvation, doubt that God loves you? Anybody? Amen? Anybody? Has you ever had? I just met a brother uh, at one of the churches I taught just this last week, and, and he, the Lord had such a complete spiritual hookup for him, and the message wasn't even about what was on his heart, but the Holy Spirit took all these points and got to him. He came up and he shared, and he told me, he says, the enemy was accusing me all day to day. He began to share the depth of that accusation, and the Lord just had a word for him and ministered to him, and he's been dealing with this for 11 years these accusations, 11 years. It's been hard for him. So when someone does come back, when someone does choose to repent, when someone does choose to get back right on track with the Lord, what are, what's our responsibility but to encourage them? Because when we stray, the enemy's always there to hurt you even more. And I guarantee you, anybody that's backsliding right now, anybody that's uh, not saved right now, they're hearing all sorts of things. They got all kinds of things. Oh, I can't go back to church. They'll, they'll judge me there. No way. Then I'll see that. And I messed up too bad. God will never receive me again. The church will never take me back. Never. And if they do come back, listen, what they need is encouragement. Encouragement. To me, that's like the big word uh, for the church. The church just need, we need to be encouraged in the Lord, man. 
There's so much coming against us. We need to be strengthened and encouraged in the Lord. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So I'm going to end with this. You listening live on the radio right now or perhaps somewhere around the country, listening to radio, you're watching online, you're here in this room, maybe downstairs in overflow. If you've wandered away, you are welcome back here. You are welcome to come back. God wants to do a thorough work of restoration in your heart. He wants to bring true repentance in you and you are welcome back. Maybe you're, this is your, today is your first step back from wandering and you're back among the body of Christ. Welcome back. God wants to see you thrive. He wants to see you grow. He wants to use your life. You haven't completely wasted it. You haven't completely thrown it away. If you are still breathing today, there is a plan and a purpose for your life, and God wants you back. So if you have wandered or strayed, you are welcome here. Hey, we may not do this all perfectly, so show us grace as we attempt to show you grace. But when there's grace and love in the midst of us, Man, who can stop a church filled with the love of God? What can stop the force of love among believers? Nothing and no one. The love of God is unstoppable, church. And as we abide in Christ, he abides in us. And the fruit of love, the fruit of the Spirit flows through our life. And it is a beautiful thing. Amen? So, Father, thank you for the privilege of being together. I know that it's been challenging and I'm expected to be even more so but we commit our lives to you. We ask you to do in our lives what we are unable to do. And we submit ourselves to you, Lord. We pray that we would look for those that have hanging down arms and weak knees. Might even be under the chastening hand of you, God, that we can just encourage them and strengthen them. And I pray for those that feel like they're not missed or they feel like they're lost in a larger church. And even in a smaller church, doesn't it really... The size of the church doesn't matter. I just pray for those that have that feeling right now that you would flip it on its head and put in them such a desire to minister to others, to maybe find another person that feels forgotten, another person that needs prayer, another person that needs encouragement, and that you would make the body more tighter, more close, that we wouldn't fall to the temptation of division. We wouldn't listen to the slander or the gossip. We wouldn't co-opt the gospel with some cause, but rather we would walk by faith, trusting you with our lives as the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's... We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.